You're listening to The Collected Podcast, bringing you stories that remind us who God is and who we are in Him. The Collected Podcast is a production of Collected Ministries. Follow Collected on social media at Collected Podcast. And be sure to visit thecollectedpodcast.com for show notes and additional content related to today's episode. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 26 of The Collected Podcast, and this is the season finale of Season 5, and I'm so excited to bring you this conversation with our wonderful guest today, Kelly Cashmer, and uh, she goes to my church, and I heard her share a bit of her story during a worship service one week, and I was so thrilled when she reached out and we connected, not even about the podcast, but about other things, Um, but she agreed to be on the podcast, and I'm so honored to have her. She is the founder and executive director of Nothing Pink, a nonprofit organization whose mission is to increase awareness of hereditary breast cancer in ovarian cancers and provide personalized support for individuals at high risk. Um, So I'm very excited to hear more about Nothing Pink and just about the journey that God has brought Kelly through to get her to this point. So Kelly, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, as we get started, I was wondering if you could give us some background about how you came to know the Lord. Sure. Um, You know, I I grew up with a really great foundation of God from both of my parents. Um, Grew up Catholic, so it was definitely part of our weekly, I guess, in the Catholic religion ritual. Um, so we went to church, we did Sunday school, you know, we did the sacraments and, um, I'm so grateful for my parents for giving me that foundation. Um, I think for me, it was probably not until I met my husband that I really started to understand more, um, the type of relationship that I could have with Jesus and, um, really just him and I exploring different churches and, um, different Christian, Christian churches and, um, really just one of the churches that we walked out of was the first time him and I looked at each other and just said, I get it. You know, so we had Jesus in our heart, um, and definitely a great relationship, um, you know, with God. Right. Um, but it wasn't until we went to a Christian church that we really started to develop our relationship with Jesus. Um, and so, you know, having, having the foundation and then learning more from a perspective that made sense to us, it, it just blossomed from there. So just super grateful again to my parents, um, and, and just that God ultimately led us to where we are today at Forest Hill. Yeah. So how old were you when you got married or when you met your husband? Yeah, so we were probably about 23, 24 years old um, and actually got baptized together, which was just really symbolic for us, both growing up Catholic. uh, We had already been baptized, but for us really was a symbol of our commitment. And that was just a really special time that we had gotten to that place in our journey um, to be able to do that together. So, Yeah. Were you already married at that point or still dating? We were still dating. What a great foundation to like build your future together. That's so beautiful. Yeah. Um, You know, looking back now and seeing where God has led you, and we'll get to all of that. But in hindsight, 
you know, do you, can you see now ways that God was working and preparing you even then for what was about to come down the road? Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I think part of it is, you know, we have a personality that he has blessed us with. Um, and then the other part is that um, when you do have a relationship with him, him kind of fine tuning, <laughs> mm-hmm. so, you know, just in growing up and, you know, our, my dad always calls it the mud years and uh, being a teenager and a young adult um, was not, you know, an easy time, but I really do firmly believe that the things, the trials that I went through shaped me and that's only through him to be the person that I am today. Um, and even before everything had happened with me. So hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Well then let's dive right into what happens, you know, down the road in your story and how did you discover your purpose? And so we might have to back up and, you know, you can go whatever direction you want to with that as kind of the springboard for your story. Yeah, sure. So um, I think my purpose, you know, I, I remember thinking back, like even when I was a kid or in high school and seeing people who had like very straightforward gifts and talents or um, my sister is a really great dancer and, you know, probably could have danced anywhere in the world. Um I was good at volleyball, but not fantastic. And I remember like meeting people who were like excellent at certain sports or my father's a football coach and he just had done that my whole life. Um, And I always wondered like, what was my thing? What was my thing to be? And I never really felt like I had a strong purpose. Um, There was not not one particular thing that I said, oh, this is going to be it. This is what I'm going to push for. Um, this is what I'm going to grow in. Um, and I don't think that was until I was in my early 30s that I started to realize through this experience, this is my purpose. Um, and I would say my purpose is that I just want to help people, um, regardless of the circumstance that had happened. Um, it was just important for me to help people through that trial. Yeah, that's powerful. And, you know, the ways that God uses tragedy and struggle in our lives to then turn it around and use it to transform the lives of others, I think is such a picture of His grace and restoration. Um, so what what happened in your story? So you get married— I think you have some kids. Uh, let you know. Fast forward and kind of walk sure. us through what your life to look like, life looked like, and then what happened to kind of change everything. Sure. Yeah. So my girls were. Um, I have Kennedy, who was one. Excuse me, three, and Carolyn, who was one at the time. And um, you know, I was a stay-at-home mom. Um, things that were important to me at that time were keeping them as busy as possible. Um, so I didn't pull my hair out. <laughs> um, looking forward to the minute that my husband walked in the door and really just, you know, taking them to the library and going to Zumba and going to Target and going to Starbucks and 
swimming at the neighborhood pool and just things that kept me and the girls very busy. It was such a precious time that we had together. Um, and it was about a year. So Carolyn was a year old and I went into my OBGYN office and it was just kind of my yearly checkup there. And I actually met with a nurse practitioner that time. And she started to go through uh, my family history. And I was 31 at the time. And I always joke around that, like, I, I don't know why no one ever really thoroughly talked to me about my family history. And I started to think maybe 30 was like that, the mark of, okay, now we got to talk about serious things. Um, I never felt like old in quotes until that moment. Um so went through my family history with her. And as I started speaking to her, I realized that I did have a family history of cancer. Now, the women in my family who had cancer were much older. Um, my grandmother passed away from ovarian cancer and she was in her 80s, 90s, early 90s. Um, so it, it was one of those things I knew, but was not concerned about at all at 31. So um, went through that. She had told me about the BRCA genetic testing, which at that moment in my life, I really didn't have any knowledge of except for Angelina Jolie because it was very public with her at that time. So I remember reading about it like in the checkout line at Target, but that was the extent of my education on it. Um, Ended up doing the blood work that day in the office. She gave me a pamphlet to take home to, you know, review with my family and um, just talk through with my parents and um, just what this test actually meant. So they informed me that I had, you know, my insurance company would contact me prior to running the test, make sure that insurance covered it. And, um, about two weeks later, by the way, I threw the pamphlet away as soon as I got home, not look at it again. <laughs> I just, you know, 31, my two little girls running around. This was not something I was concerned about. So um, about two weeks later, my OBGYN called me back and let me know that I tested positive for the BRCA2 mutation. Mm. And what that meant was that I had an 86% of developing breast cancer in my lifetime and 64% ovarian cancer. Um, again, was not concerned at all. You know, I, I guess I thought in the back of my head, like, okay, eventually one yeah, day. Like maybe older, in 50 years. Correct. Yeah. Exactly. Like it's going to happen inevitably, you know, I'll be 70 years old. So, um, you know, just still was a little bit in shock. And to be honest with you, the first thing that I thought of as the girls were, you know, screaming in the background and playing was what happened with my insurance? Did my insurance cover this? And um, ended up calling my insurance company and they did not cover it. And oh. at the, it was about a $5,000 test. Whoa. Yeah. So it was overwhelming. And I, I think that at 31, it probably would have been one of those things. Had I known that, I would have said, great to know. Um, you know, I'll probably consider doing the test in 10, 15, 20 years, you know, let's, let's hold off on it. But, um, 
went in, basically had to do, you know, a ton of baseline scans because that was the way that they were going to be able to monitor me every six months to ensure that nothing was changing. So went in for, you know, a bone scan, a MRI, a mammogram, ultrasounds, you name it, we had to do it. So um, another two weeks later, they called me in and I remember my husband insisted on coming with me and I just thought, this is so ridiculous. Like, I, you know, I'm fine. I'll go by myself. And um, we went in and I checked in and they ended up bringing me back into a, a, a different type of room. It wasn't your standard doctor's office with like, you know, the little chair and the paper that you're folding out of the chair. And um, it, it was like a a room that had very dim lighting, big oversized leather furniture. Um, there was a Keurig and snacks. And I remember being so embarrassed because we were waiting and my husband was like rummaging through the snack, making a coffee. And I'm like, what is happening right now? <laughs> so, um, you know, a doctor walked in about 15 minutes later. And I just remember he had a huge stack of papers and I remember looking on the very top piece of paper and it had red lettering, red lettering. And he said, we've got a lot of work to do. And that's when they told me that I had stage two negative breast cancer. And the only way that any of this was discovered was through that genetic test. Wow. And rewind back, had they called me and my insurance did tell me what it was, I would have said no. And six months later after that, my story would have been a lot different if I hadn't had that would reveal cancer. So, um, you know, it, it was very overwhelming for my husband and I. I remember, you know, him and I looking at each other and we ended up asking the nurse and the doctor if we could just have a few minutes alone. And Corey, uh, my husband, grabbed my hands and he said, you know, let's let's pray right now, you know. And we bowed our heads and nothing came out of his mouth. And I gave him a few more seconds and still nothing. And I could tell like he was trying to, you know, just brave up. And I just squeezed his hands and said, I've got this. And prayed for us both. And um, from that moment on, I truly felt like he was just going to carry us through. And it might not look like the way that I thought he was going to carry us through, but he knew every step of the way what he was doing. So um, we left there and we were in shock. And then it just goes into, this is your new job. You know, yeah. you, you wake up every morning and you fight for your life every day. And, you know, unfortunately being so young, your regimen is going to be pretty harsh. You know, I had that much longer of a life that I, you know, they needed to make sure that, you know, everything was gone. Um, so it was hard. It wasn't fun. Um, it was a challenge. My mom ended up moving in with us and, you know, to help care for the girls and, you know, Corey still had to work and I was sick a lot. Um, you know, everybody has different experiences with this disease. Our bodies are made differently. And for me, my body just 
struggled big time. Um, there were days that I just could not get out of bed or I would try to get out of bed and, you know, my bones hurt so bad. I would just collapse. I was just sick a lot. I had a lot of infections. I had a lot of emergency, uh, appointments and surgeries, blood transfusion, just, you know, every possible roadblock that you could hit. I hit it. Oh, What would you say to someone who is at the very beginning of their struggle, whether it's just receiving a diagnosis or losing a job or losing a loved one or, you know, whatever the struggle is, I think there's kind of a universal feeling in a sense when you get the news that your life's going to change and not in the way you wanted and not for the better. Do you have a word of hope or encouragement for someone who's at that first stage? I think, you know, the scripture that I really was clinging to is she is clothed with strength and and dignity and lasts without fear of the future. Um, You know, people always used to say like, you know, God can only give you as much as you can handle. Well, it's only with God that you can handle that, you know? So I can, I cannot imagine going through this life without clinging to him or to my relationship with him and having to go through something so difficult. Yeah. Um, You know, so this is one part, you know, this is the, the M&M and the big story and candy basket. Right. Um, But he made that. So cling on to that because there's there's a reason why. And you might not know today. You might not know tomorrow. You might not know in a couple of years, but eventually you'll wake up one morning and go, that's why. You know, why the piece of paper came by his death and he let it go, you know, because I had to experience it. So. Hmm. Yeah. And I mean, all throughout the history of the Bible, God is constantly giving people more than they can handle. <laughs> On their own. All the time. So that we have to rely on Him and so He can show up and just blow our minds. Like, if He's only giving me things I can handle, why do I need Him? You don't need Him. Right. Which we still do, but in our minds, (laughs) we'll think we don't. Or we'll think like, I got this. I handled this. This was all on me. And we get prideful when it's all the Lord every single time. So what ways, as you walked through this fight for your life now, in what ways did you see God show up that just blew you away? So I think, you know, first and foremost was the support of my family. Um, I am not going to lie. I was not a, I was not like a warrior. I didn't put on a t-shirt. I didn't walk, walk. I didn't have a pink ribbon on my front door. Um, There was a point during my, my struggle and my fight that I was angry. I was angry at God. Um, I was angry this was happening to me. I was angry that I couldn't take my kids to a pumpkin patch. Um, I was angry that my mom was feeding them breakfast because I wanted to do that. Um, I was angry that my husband had to pick up every piece that was just falling on the ground. That was his responsibility, you know? Um, I miss part of my kid's childhood and, you know, no one prepares you that you're not going to be able to pick up your daughter from her crib Mm -hmm. and no one prepares you that 
you're not going to be able to go to carpool every day. And um, so I think it's a really valid and important part of my story that I do, I'm honest with myself and others that I was not, you know, graceful by any means during this. Um, But one of my dear friends said to me, and I'll never forget it because I was in the hospital and it was, you know, the doctors came in to tell me that I I had to have a blood transfusion that, you know, uh, my numbers just had gotten so bad. And I just remember being like, everybody get out of the room. Like I just needed a moment. And one of my dear friends looked at me and she was like, are you okay? And I said, no, I am so angry with God right now. And she said to me, and what a testament to your relationship with him that you can speak those words out loud. And it like blew my mind. So it not only, it wasn't just that reflection. It was this weight that was just gone. It was gone. You know, um, just her saying those words and for me to understand, like, I'm still a human being and I'm going to fall and I'm going to fail and I'm going to be angry and I'm going to be sad. And he's still going to be there with his arms open no matter what. Oh, my goodness. That just gave me chills when you said (laughs) that. I think somebody out there needed to hear those exact words that your friend told you. Um. I, I feel like someone out there is in that time of anger and doesn't know what to do with it. And that was so powerful. Yeah, that God's not afraid of our anger. No. He can handle it. He's big enough. <laughs> and He's never going to stop loving us and pursuing us and providing for us, even when we're angry. Yeah. Mm, that is so powerful. So as you walked through this, um, yeah, what happened next? What surprising doors did God start to open? And I don't know if this might lead into talking about nothing pink next or if we're not really at that part of the story yet, but what happened next? Yeah, I think for me, it was, um, you know, everything that had happened, you know, like I mentioned, hitting the roadblocks and and really just walking through fire. I really do firmly believe like, God knows me. He knows my personality. He knows I'm stubborn. He knows I'm passionate. And I couldn't just skate through this experience. Um, I would have never had nothing pink had I not been pulled down so far. And that's just because he knows me and he he knows my stubbornness. And um, I had to walk through that fire to come out the other side and say, what are we going to do? What's going to happen now? Um, And that, you know, reflecting back, thinking about my girls, you know, they're one in three. So we're in like the princess phase, the Barbies, the pink, the bubble gum, you know, the Barbie Jeep. And I just remember going to one of my chemo appointments and having to pull over on the side of the road and I was getting sick. And I just looked back and said, there's nothing pink about breast cancer. Mm. And it was really my correlation to my girls. Like that world for me was great. It was awesome. It was happy. It was fun. And going through this was everything that was the opposite. And that's really where that phrase came from. 
the friend that I was with actually looked at me and said, you should trademark that one day. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> you did, yeah. So, <laughs> so um, it really, you know, me finding out that I had cancer was only through genetic testing. I did not have any signs of cancer. I wasn't sick. I didn't have a lump. There was no inflammation. Nothing was different in my life having, you know, like having cancer in my body. It was literally only through that test. And the more I started thinking about it, the more I realized we do so much for women and men who have been diagnosed. What are we doing before they get diagnosed? What are we doing to educate people more than screening, more than talking to your doctor? Why aren't we talking to our families about our family history? Why aren't we pursuing genetic testing? Now, where are those barriers? There was so much reactive and not a lot of proactive. And I really felt this passion to get this information out there as much as I could. Um, and I remember the first talk that I did um, was probably, it was probably around 2000 people that I spoke in front of the very first time. And I remember asking, raise your hand if you know what genetic counseling or testing is for hereditary cancer. And two people raised their hands and they were the two people that came with me. <laughs> and <laughs> so I knew, I'm like, you know, I'm going to do this until every person in the room has their hand raised. Wow. And, um, you know, there was just a lack of education, a lack of, you know, um, awareness around what this testing meant. And um, I really just started to, you know, do smaller talks around the community. Um, People started coming to me when they would get diagnosed or their mom or their friend or sister. And it just kind of snowballed from there. And we started making relationships with genetic counselors at different hospital systems, uh, geneticists, nurse navigators, oncologists, plastic surgeons, and it just grew. Um, now we have about 300 support, active support group members. Um, and it, it's a really beautiful, organic nonprofit that I've been able to just kind of look back over these past years and know that we've had passion, but we haven't pushed. We've had passion, but it's only been led by him. Yeah. And there's been doors that have opened that, you know, we'll pray on. And he just says, this isn't it. This isn't the time or hang on a little bit longer but he continues to just put people in front of us that we need to be in front of and that he wants us to take that next step with. And we firmly listen and believe in that. Yeah. Our listeners are predominantly women. We have men who listen and we love our men, uh, but mainly women. So what what do we need to know? Like if if this is kind of new to people listening What's the basic ground level of like, this is what I have to say if I, you know, can only say a couple things? Yeah. So I think it's knowing your family history of cancer, um, you know, taught, having those conversations about your risk. And, you know, I, I wish that I had had that conversation with my family sooner. Like I said, I knew it was in the back of my head, but at that time, it, it just wasn't as important in our lives. Um, so, you know, it, it, it does affect women more than men. However, God made us from two people. Yeah. 
So this mutation actually came from my father. Mm. And I think is a, a really big misconception is, you know, as women, we're going to our OBGYN and, you know, well, what happened on your maternal side? Maternal, maternal, maternal. Um, but God made us from two people. So my mother actually tested negative. My father tested positive. So, um, but if you have two or more close relatives who have had breast cancer, um, a close relative that's had breast cancer at or age, excuse me, at or under age of 50, a close male relative that's had breast cancer, a close relative that's had triple negative breast cancer, um, one or more relatives that have had ovarian cancer, and two or more relatives that have had prostate, breast, or pancreatic cancer. Those are kind of our red flags of, you know, this is considered higher risk, more attached to a genetic mutation, and definitely worth speaking with the counselor about. Mm. Yeah, that's good. That's, that's good. I'm thinking back. I'm like, I need, I need to talk to my parents. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know these answers. Yeah. Like I am very ill-informed of my own family history too. So listeners out there, men and women, mm-hmm. know your family histories. <laughs> Talk to anybody you can. Um, Absolutely. So throughout this whole journey, what have you learned about the character of God? Um, I would say the biggest thing is, well, gosh, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I would say his forgiveness, you know, just his grace that he has for me. I mean, I I think if you think about your own kids, right, that's how he's viewing us times a bajillion. Mm. So of course, like no matter what with my kids, no matter what they do, no matter what we go through, mom's still going to have open arms. And for God, it's like, it's just magnified, you know? And so just knowing his arms are going to be open for me, no matter what. And there's something really freeing about that. Even in my career, there's, it's very freeing. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And I think someone out there also needed that reminder, like nothing you have done can separate you from the love of the Father. He's always there to take you back. Uh, We are almost out of time. So what did we miss? What is a final word of hope or encouragement or a story that you want to leave us with today? I just think that knowing, you know, obviously getting a diagnosis is, it's life-changing, you know, and I always tell people, cancer doesn't define me. It doesn't. Um, What God has put on my heart is, you know, this organization and making sure that we can reach as many people as possible. Um, But that's what defines me. He he identified what defines me. And so being patient for that in the struggle. um, And there's going to be great days and there's going to be really tough days. Either way, he's going to be there. And at the end, he's going to be the first one to cheer you on in that victory. So um, it's not an easy thing to under, you know, to under, to go through. But the only way is with his grace and his strength. And I just clung to that every day. Yeah. Mm, That's so good. And easier said than done. 
Yeah. But he will give us the strength every day. Or when we don't have the strength, he has the strength. And he'll just carry us. Uh, So I know I said that was the last question, but I have to ask, where can people find you or learn more about Nothing Pink or access your resources or, you know, where can they go? Yes. So um, on our website is nothingpink.org and it's very user-friendly. So we make it very easy for people who do need support and um, we'll get them connected with our support group. We have a private support group on Facebook. We have virtual meetings for support. We do walks on Wednesday mornings. Um, We do support group outings. We do as much as we can to try to connect women who are, you know, going through this process together. And, you know, there's only so much myself and and Carrie and Rachel can do. Um, So we love to have women just connect during those, those times. Um, And on there, you know, and connecting with us and getting support, I will mention that, you know, we will equip women with a care package that has everything that they need going into a surgery, whether it's proactive or diagnostic. So these care packages have been curated by women who have walked through this already. And, um, you know, just to, I'll give you a little sneak peek as to one of the things that are in there is a a blessing jar. And um, that was vital for me when I was in bed and sick all the time. You know, people would stop by and bring you books and, you know, watching TV, you can only do it so much. But there were days that I could just lean over and grab this little piece of paper and it would just have a, a scripture or an inspiring or positive statement. And that might've been all I could do that day. Yeah. And but that was a really big um, part of our support group, our, our support care packages. Um, we also bless people with a post-surgical meal. So one less thing that mom has to worry about the day or two after she comes home from the hospital. So they receive a soup care package for the family. And then we also provide financial assistance if that's something that people need because it's expensive and to make payments for medical bills, but you can't make payments for childcare or groceries or rent or mortgage. And so, you know, if we have the means available, then they can apply for financial assistance and we will do whatever we possibly can to help. Wow. What a powerful organization. Kelly, thank you for giving God your yes and helping so many people through what is probably like the worst time in their life, potentially. And so we just, I'll be praying for nothing pink and for you personally, and that God just continues to bless it and grow it beyond your wildest dreams. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Jess. Thank you for being here. The Collected Podcast is sponsored in part by Beauty Counter. Use the link in our show notes to shop for all of your clean beauty needs and 10% of the profits will go directly back to benefiting the podcast. Also, use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off of your first purchase. What a great conversation with Kelly, and I'm just so thankful that it worked out. We were having a lot of scheduling issues, and um, I didn't even know if this conversation was going to be recorded today or even able to launch it um, 
you know, on October 19th when this came out, um, I was thinking we might have to push it. And just God in His goodness made a way for us to still record it on time and get it pushed out in October to wrap up Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Um, I was so thankful that we could speak to two powerhouse, incredible, godly women um, who shared their stories of battling breast cancer. And I love that the theme in both of these last two interviews was God will never leave you or forsake you, even in the valley, even in the darkness, even in the uncertainty and the unknown. God is unchanging, and He will never fail. Um, Last week at church, we started a new series on Ruth, and the tagline is Broken to Blessed. And as Kelly was sharing her story in this episode, I kept thinking about the notes that that I took during that sermon. So I pulled those out, and I just want to read a few of these. This idea of God's sovereignty and providence transforming our setbacks of brokenness into setups for His purpose and divine blessing. So what feels like a tragedy, what is a tragedy? It doesn't just feel like it. It it, it really is, and it's it's the start of walking through extremely difficult times. And yet, like we see with Ruth and Naomi, their heartbreak God was going to use to get them to a new place and set them up for something that was beyond their wildest dreams and for this divine purpose that only the Lord could have brought to fruition. Um, and so a few notes I took. Um, again, these these are my thoughts. These are my notes from my sermon at church. Uh, but don't allow circumstances to distort or inform your faith. We need to know who God is and be rooted in His words so that when these storms do come up and our world is rocked, it doesn't rock our faith because we know that our God is far greater than any setback or circumstance that we could face in this life, and that in the end, He has the victory. And we will walk through pain and we will walk through hardship in this life, but that's not the end of the story. And God's sovereignty is so much bigger than what we can see in one moment or one season of our life. Um, And then this next one, this next point, was exactly what Kelly was talking about. Be real with what you feel, but anchor yourself in the promises of God. So if you are angry at the Lord, tell Him. He can handle it. That is okay. And then at the end of the day, we fall back on the promises of who God is and what He promises in His Word for His children. And you may not see that promise come to fruition in that moment, and you may still feel angry, but God's word is still true. And God's not afraid of your anger. He can handle it. Um, And trust in God's goodness for yourself and seek God's goodness for others. You know, so sometimes we need to claim those promises for ourselves. Sometimes we need to go to bat for others, um, you know, depending on what the circumstance is. But either way, you know, we are constantly falling back on the goodness and the provision and the faithfulness and the unchanging nature of our sovereign Heavenly Father. So whatever you're walking through, I'm praying for you this week. Um, Maybe not by name, but the Lord knows your name and He knows your full story and He sees you exactly where you are. Uh, And so I just pray a prayer of resiliency over you, that whatever you're walking through, 
you'll get exactly what you need in every given moment and that you will walk through and have your faith be strengthened and come out just more secure in the Lord on the other side. And so I will continue to pray, and I'm sending you lots of love from across the miles and across the airwaves, and we'll see you next time. And next time is season six, which is so wild. Uh, We're starting, yeah, season six, and um, I'm working on a message that God has laid on my heart. So it'll be just me next week, and I'm excited to see what God continues to show me and— kind of a vision for what season six might hold. But thank you so much for always tuning in and coming along with me on this journey. And uh, that's a wrap on season five. We'll see you next time on The Collected Podcast. Thank you for listening to The Collected Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you'd help spread the word. Check back here for new episodes dropping every other Thursday. You can follow along on social media at Collected Ministries.